Welcome to the Narrators Podcast. I'm Robert Rutherford. And I'm Andrew Orvidal. This podcast collects stories that were told at the Narrators, a monthly storytelling event that features people telling true stories based on a theme. The show takes place on the third Thursday of every month at the Deer Pile in Denver, Colorado. These stories were recorded live on March 20th, 2014, and the theme of the evening was slapstick. Whoop. I came up with this theme because I was in L.A. Uh, last month, and I went to go visit a friend, and uh, her dog attacked me. Her dog, who I'd met many times, just spontaneously attacked me, and I've never been like legitimately attacked by a dog before. I've had dogs that like seemed angry, where you're like, all right, I'll just get out of here. But this dog like actually like bit my leg and was like chomping me, and I have a tattoo of my daughter's face on my calf right there, and it bit, it like chewed the shit out of my tattoo of my daughter's face. <laughs> And for a while, I was really worried that it would heal and look like my daughter has been attacked by a dog, which would be, would be the new tattoo that I got. Um, so I put this, like, ointment on it, and then I went to the, my friend's house where I was staying, and I, and I went to sleep. And then in the morning, that ointment had leaked around the Band-Aids and left this big grease stain on her nice couch. And so I was talking to Robert on the phone. I was like, this is such a fucking slapstick idiot chain of events. We should just have that be the theme. And then I didn't realize that's the end of that story. I got bit by a dog and ruined a friend's couch. That's like a 40-second story. Um, so it was, a, it, was a hard, it was a hard theme. But with the sh- adherence to the theme is, is not that important. So if you're sitting there fact-checking, like, I don't get the physical comedy in this story, just roll with it. It's my, it's my fault. You can only make a story about falling down the stairs so interesting for so many minutes. Um, that was my other story I had, was about a dating woman whose fantasy was to be making out with me and have me push her down a flight of stairs mid-makeout. Again, that's the end of that story. <laughs> but how fucked up is that? I was like, not even, not even if you signed a waiver first would I do that. That is insane. A trip down the stairs is such a random event. I can't, you know, you break a neck. Well, she was into it. She wanted that. Um, but for this story, this happened uh, when I was about... 17 years old, and I was a really terrible teenager, like really terrible teenager, to the point uh, where I tried to pawn my mom's engagement ring to buy cigarettes, but didn't because the pawn shop wouldn't give me enough money to make it worthwhile. So that's the kind of teenager I was, like the worst kind of human being imaginable. Um, So I just spent the summer like smoking cigarettes and being a piece of shit. Um, So one of my friends, uh, this kid named Brent... Uh, who was also a juvenile delinquent, he, he and his family were going out of town on vacation, and in an incredibly uh, ill-advised move, Brent told me where their hide-a-key was. He was like, if you just want to like, chill at my house while my, me and my entire family are gone, you can just have access to my house. Why would that be a bad idea? And so I was like, awesome, thanks for telling me where the hide-a-key was. So I immediately planned a party, uh, and by party I mean just two of my friends came over and we could watch RoboCop in the basement. That was like the extent of my partying skills at 17 years old. Um, So on this night where we were having the party, I went to uh, Red Rocks to see a concert, and it was Stone Temple Pilots, still to this day one of the shittiest concerts and shittiest bands I've ever seen. Uh, But we were going to see Firehose and the Butthole Servers. The Stone Temple Pilots were just an unfortunate coincidence that were going on that night. So we're at the concert, and my two friends went over to the house early. Again, like I'm immediately loaning out the house to further strangers I'm like, no problem. I'm like, here's where the key's hidden. So they went over there, and I went to this concert, uh, and then I show up to the house, uh, I don't know what time, it was probably like 10 p.m., 11 p.m., 
And they were like, hey, your dad came by earlier looking for you. Because I told my dad I was sleeping over at this guy's house. And they were like, hey, your dad came by earlier uh, looking for you. And we, t- we told him you weren't here yet. And I was like, oh, okay. I wonder what he wanted. Who cares? Let's hang out. So they were out back. They'd been like smoking pot out back. Um, this is, I guess everybody in this room is, is not that young. But if you are young in this room, there was a time where smoking pot in Denver was like a really big deal. Like... <laughs> You had to, like, buy it behind, like, a burned-down mall, and it was, like, the shittiest weed imaginable in, like, a cigarette cellophane, and it was precious to you, and it was really valuable, and you were terrified to smoke it anywhere because you thought you'd be shipped off to prison, not like it is today, Um, (laughs) which makes you sound like I'm 80 years old. Um, But anyway, they'd been smoking pot out back, uh, and I got there, and like, yeah, your dad was here. I don't know what's going on. I was like, whatever. Who, who gives a shit? Let's go watch RoboCop like, and, par- and party and party. Like, take one hit of pot each and watch RoboCop. So we're, down- <laughs> so we're watching RoboCop downstairs in this house that isn't ours, uh, and we keep hearing this weird, like, thumping sound, like, coming from upstairs. And I was like, is that, like, a dishwasher or something? Like, what is this sound? We're just sitting there, but we're sort of, like, paranoid from, like, being just mildly high, like, one hit high as a teenager will be. Like, dude, I'm so baked right now. Probably not even, like, measurably stoned. <laughs> so I keep hearing this thumping noise. So finally I was like, I'm going to go up and I'm going to check it out. So I went upstairs and I'm looking around and I'm like, I don't hear it now. What is that noise? And all of a sudden this light comes in the side window, like this blinding light. And I hear this voice go, police, come to the front door. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, what? How is this happening? Like, we're just in the basement watching RoboCop. So I yell down the stairs. I don't yell down the stairs. I hiss, whisper down the stairs. I'm like, the fucking cops are here. You guys fucking hide. And you're like scrambling downstairs. So I go to the front door. And at this point, I realize what I'm wearing. I'm wearing a T-shirt that has like a Japanese punk clown uh, holding an Uzi to a pig in a cop's outfit's head. That's a shirt that I thought was cool when I was 17. I was like, this is a cool shirt that I would want to wear anywhere at any time. And I'm like, oh my God. Like, so I do this weird like jump into the room and I like take off my shirt and I throw it behind the couch. And then I go answer the door immediately, like breathless and shirtless. <laughs> breathless, shirtless 17-year-old in a house that is not his. Like, right, open the door like, oh, good evening. Like, is there, what is the problem? <laughs> And my dad is, there's two cops there. My dad is standing behind them. And they're like, uh, yeah, are you Andrew Everlon? And I was like, yeah, what's going on? And like, well, your dad uh, called us because he was kind of like worried about what was going on over here. And I was like, what? And I'm looking at my dad like, you fucking traitor. What the fuck is wrong with you? Nothing is wrong. Other than the fact that I'm in a house that is not mine. But he didn't know, he had no idea I didn't have permission to be in there. Um, so they're like, what's going on? I was like, nothing. I'm just hanging out in here, shirtless, doing nothing. Nothing. <laughs> nothing at all is going on at all. And so the cops are like, well, do you mind if we come in and have a quick look around? And I have no experience dealing with cops and what they actually mean when they say that. So I was like, yeah, sure, come in and have a quick look around. Yeah, just, I pictured they'd look in and be like, nope, doesn't seem like anybody's in here. So I said, yeah, sure, come in. And then they're instantly in like search mode. They have like their flashlights out. And the woman's like, walk in front of me and open all the doors. She's like behind me. And the guy cop is like, I'm going to go downstairs and check it out. I'm like, oh my God, we're all going to get shot immediately. So I'm going upstairs, and I have no idea where my friends are. All I know is that I told them that the cops were here. I have no idea where they are. I know that they're in the basement. That's all I know. So I'm upstairs, and I'm, like, opening doors. Like, see, I told you nothing's in here. But I'm, like, so tense. I'm just waiting to hear gunshots downstairs, like, at any minute. Like, okay, we keep opening doors. And then, like, I don't, like two minutes in, I hear three yelps simultaneously downstairs. Like, ah, 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 like that. 
And she's like, come to the kitchen. So the lady cop makes me go into the kitchen. And the guy brings both my friends upstairs. Uh, and it turned out they'd been hiding in a closet. And he, like, opened the door. And they all three, like, screamed at once. <laughs> and then this cop, he brings him up. And then he looks at me. And he says, like, totally sincerely, he goes, you lied to me. And to this day, I'm like, you, as a fucking cop, isn't that like a daily part of your life? I feel like as a cop, that's like the bulk of your job is being lied to. Like, you should be more, it would be more noteworthy if he was like, you told me the truth. Wow, I'm really surprised. Yeah, of course I lied to you. You're a fucking cop. We're 17-year-olds in a house that doesn't belong to Yeah, I lied to you. And he was like, he seemed so hurt. He's like, you lied to me. And I was like, yeah, I did. So they, we kind of, I was like, oh yeah, I'm just uh, house-sitting for my friend. And they're like, okay. And the cop's like, well, you have to leave uh, until we can verify that. So he's like, uh, I want you to leave and lock up the house. And he's like, I'm going to leave my card on this counter and so they can call me when they get back and we can like sort all this out. And I'm like, fuck. So I was like, okay, I'll leave. Oh, and the other, the other key detail is like while they were like filling out this paperwork, the cops, there was like a, they had a, uh, one of those fridges that had an ice door on the outside so you could just get ice. And the cops were like, hey, check this out. Check out this Tilta ice. And they were so impressed that they'd like turn their backs to us and were just like fucking around with this ice door. Again, like they'd never seen that. Just like, no, like they're instantly distracted with these three strangers. They're in the middle of police paperwork and they're just fascinated by this ice machine in a door. So like suburban cops who had nothing ever going on ever. Um, so they left the business card and I had to leave. Uh, and so my friends, uh, parents, they did find it and they were like, did we get robbed by someone who didn't take anything at all? Like what happened? And the cops told them everything that happened and I had to go meet. And then this was their response. They were like, if you want a house sit, next time just ask and we'll let you. So I didn't even have to learn a lesson. I didn't have to learn a lesson <laughs> with what happened. So uh, that's the end of my story. We have a great lineup for you all tonight. Your next storyteller, is uh, he's actually visiting from Los Angeles. You can catch him tomorrow night at the Oriental Theater uh, where he'll be doing stand-up. Uh, he's one of my favorite comedians. Uh, he's great. You should check out the show tomorrow. It's at 8 p.m. at the Oriental. Please welcome Chris Fairbanks. When Andrew said slapstick, I didn't, I didn't think of myself or a per, the most slapstick thing. It made me laugh so hard. It was my cat, and I'm not here to... Yeah, I am here to tell a big, long cat story. Anyone have a problem <laughs> with that? We've always seen, like... And this was around Halloween. It was after, about a month after. Um, we've seen with, like, Halloween greeting cards, the classic arched back black cat where he's like arched and his back is going like that you know what I'm talking about and his hair is up you never really see that in real life especially silhouetted in front of a moon <laughs> um, but it was after Halloween and here's okay here's another slap same cat this is a cat that just came to my door and I started feeding so he's just in the yard for about a year I rescued him he was a rescue I rescued him <laughs> I hate that phrase. Well, yeah, he was about to jump off a bridge. <laughs> you saved him. Anyway, um, so I just feed him in my, my yard for a while, and I had this uh, jack-o'-lantern. Oh, yeah, one time he walked through a spider web and acted exactly like a human does. <laughs> he was quiet, and he went like that, and then he went like that, and he looked at his paw, he looked at his paw to see if there was a spider on him. Did you know cats fully have the concept of spiders possibly biting them and they fear it just like we do? 
He's just, and he's like, all right, back to being a cat, a calm collected. Anyway, I, I carved this jack-o'-lantern and left it. I live in Venice, but it's by the beach, and so pumpkins don't last lask? Uh, very long uh, in that kind of air, in that wet air. So it was really ready to be thrown away after a week, but I let it, I let it stand on the porch for about a month. <laughs> and, and so it was totally sagging, like the face just kind of changed, and that to me was entertaining. Again, more slapstick, face-making. Um, anyway, my black cat was hanging out there, and this, I've seen this on a greeting card. I, uh, I, I went to pick up the pumpkin, and my fingers just kind of sunk in it, and it, I just lifted it up, and it ripped in half, and inside was a giant rat, uh, and the cat jumped he jumped that high and i looked and it was a per it wasn't i wish there was a moon behind him but it was a perfect <laughs> like spiky back hair arch halloween cat pumpkin mouse with the top of a jack-o'-lantern as a hat like it's just the best halloween moment i've ever seen but um yeah, I had that cat for a while, and then I moved into another place, and it was too small to have. I, he, he learned after several years to use a litter box. Uh, and that sounds great. He used to, like, tap on a door, and I'd let him out, and he'd go on his own. Of course, he kind of was dog-like in that way, and constantly riddled with fleas. I, I would give him flea medication, and I have scars to this day on my ankles. It's, is that gross? Pretty gross. Uh, <laughs> But I, so he started to get more like a regular cat and started to learn how to use a litter box. Um, but he is smart. He shat in my toilet once. I didn't teach him that. He just watched me. He's like, okay. That's how I learned my fear of spiders. Um, so there's no room in my new place for a litter box. I had it in my closet. That's disgusting. Uh, there wasn't enough floor space in the bathroom. And who has a utility room? What do you live in your parents' basement? So uh, it, was, it just wasn't working. My clothes were smelling. Um, so I decided I'd, I'd have the cat retire in Montana at my dad's house. Um, and I don't know if anyone's ever flown with a cat. Uh, you put it in a carrier. You have to get it some blood tests, see that it's healthy enough to take sedatives. Then you buy a carrier. It's just like a $600 process. It's easy. Um, and so I, I went to a vet, and I'm like, I'm going to fly with this cat tomorrow. I need to buy some sedatives. And she's like, well, we have to run some blood on the cat I'm like, for like 300 bucks. Okay. Uh, and, and then I went to pick up the cat, and she said, yeah, he's fine. The cat's fine. You can give the cat sedatives. Everything's great. Healthy cat. I'm like, great. And then she goes, oh, wait. Um, oh, your cat does have feline AIDS. What? That would have been the, the very first thing <laughs> I would have told me. What's that mean? He's going to die? No, he'll live a normal... You just have to give him these uh, Magic Johnson pills for cats. And, and I do. I do. My dad gives him shots. He'll be fine. But when someone tells you your cat has AIDS and their fleas have been all over your ankles, I don't, 
I don't know if you're, it's, I know it's dumb now, of course, it's, but I did, I had that moment where I was like, oh, cat AIDS, huh? well, that's fine. Can people, uh, <laughs> like if you're, she's like, no, you can't get AIDS from a cat. And I, and I said, so I've been fucking him. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, that'd be awful. I was, like, I was like, yeah, I knew, I knew that, yeah, it's just a few of his fleet, but of course, I just thought maybe in a person it was another disease, not full on, I know that how you get AIDS, it's not 1980, you don't get it from basketball, you, uh, and so, um, and so I put the cat in its carrier, and, uh, and brought him to LAX, I brought him to the airport, and the cat usually is very quiet, and doesn't meow. When he meows, he just goes, <laughs> like, hisses, really. It scares the shit out of people, but he's being nice. So he's in the thing hissing, and everyone's like, all right. And I'm like, he's just saying hello. <laughs> and uh, the sedatives weren't working. Uh, he scratched. He had never scratched me before. I, was, I put him in there, he went, <laughs> and I'm like, wow, you're not sedate at all. Quite the opposite. And so I'm in LAX with him in the car, and he starts shitting in the... You know when someone has a baby and they're they're screaming and the parent's like, doesn't pay any attention to everyone else being irritated? That's how I'm like, I don't give a shit about anyone else. I'm dumping cat shit out of the carrier in the trap, like at the gate. I'm in... Also, the cat's just walking around. I'm like, he'll be fine. I took the cat out at LAX. I don't care, what, what are you going to, kick me off the plane? It's, uh, I just acted really interested, and t- perfect little cat turds in the toilet. And I put them back in, and, went, and everyone's looking at me, and I'm like, I don't care, it's my baby. Uh, and there was another la- a cat lady there that was being supportive. Uh, she's like, I've flown with a bunch of cats. They'll be fine, you have to put it under the seat. And she's my, my friend. Uh, before the flight, we had a Bloody Mary together. It was... <laughs> Kind of early in the morning, and maybe I sort of drunk. When I got on the plane, I was like, uh, AIDS cat coming through, cat with AIDS. Like, AIDS cat here. Not super loud, just to make her laugh, but the whole plane's like, oh, duly noted. <laughs> and while we're flying, the cat, for the first time ever, was making noise, and it wasn't cat noises, it was human. He, the cat was making noises like this. <laughs> His eyes were rolling back. I'm not kidding. And his tongue... Have you ever seen a cat pant? Their tongue out, like panting? I've seen it. It's right before a cat fucking dies. So I... Yeah. Any, oh, the cats... Everyone dies. We're all dying. Uh, the cat was panting, and so I'm like, fuck that. We're in the air. I unzipped the thing and let him... I just wasn't really thinking, and it sounds crazy now, but I let the cat go down the aisle and just walk around, and, and he was freaking out, but he started to get no, more normal. I'm like, what, are you going to land the plane? My cat's out. He said hi to a few people and went back. He started to calm down, and I heard someone in the very back of the plane go, uh, oh, don't pet that cat. He has AIDS. And uh, it just made me feel so much better about myself. Thanks a lot, you guys. I've been Chris Fairbanks. Chris Fairbanks. 
The Narrators Podcast is recorded and produced by the Denver Diatribe. Check out their weekly show at denverdiatribe.com. The Narrators Podcast is brought to you by these amazing sponsors. The great guys at Illegal Pete's and Greater Than Records, who in addition to providing rad burritos all over town, provide great local music and comedy. Check out the appropriately named Sexy Pizza at either of their locations in Capitol Hill or Old South Pearl or on their website, sexypizzaonline.com. And finally, by the internet superheroes at Commerce Kitchen, who provide internet marketing solutions and search engine optimization for all your e-commerce needs. Check them out at commercekitchen.com. For more information about The Narrators and to listen to past episodes, go to thenarratorspodcast.com. Thanks for listening.